Hey everyone, welcome back to the Five Summers of Tinder podcast. This is Leah. I am by myself today. I wanted to put out a special episode about things that I've been thinking about for uh, almost my whole life. <laughs> almost my whole life. But um, just recent things in the media going on in the world, things that I've seen as of late have really called me to finally say something and speak up and to talk about this. I really didn't before. I wasn't the type of person to talk about things that enrage me. I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on positivity. I want to focus on the things that are going well. I want to continue to progress. I don't want to dwell in a place where I just get very angry about things. I just deal with them as they come up in my life. There are so many things, so many things that I... um that I've had to get enraged about. Um, and I'm not one to speak publicly about it. I don't post a lot on social media. I, um, you know, usually just post how my son and I are doing. Um, you know, I share this podcast. I talk about music. I talk about, um, concerts I go to, you know, things about my friends, um, little birthday shout outs. I mean, you're not going to see a lot from me, um, on social media about anything political or current event wise, or, um, you know, just, just, you know, me being angry about something. You're, you're just not, you're not going to see that from me, but I felt like it was time. Um, because I have just been, um, it's just been, it's been too much. Uh, it's also, we're at a point here, uh, during this, crisis that we're all going through the pandemic that we are on lockdown and people are paying more attention to what's what people are posting on the internet and um, I thought well you know if I have somebody's attention if I can reach someone here that's what I'm going to attempt to do so um I I do you know I'll start by saying the things that have happened recently that have um outraged me and none of this is well there's no there's there's a couple new things because of the um because of this the the novel virus that's going around because of the crisis that we're in the health crisis that we're in right now a lot of actually kind of uh uh interesting things have come up actually so you know just as you would see someone's true colors when their backs up against the wall you can see um, really, uh, this country's, what, what this country cares about and what it's built on. Um, I think we, a lot of us know that a lot of us who know history are aware, but when things like this happen, it really comes out, doesn't it? So that's what I'm here to talk about. And I'm hoping I can educate. I'm hoping I can offer something to someone where they go, oh, you know what? I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, so, of course, I'm addressing white people for the most part. Now, uh, to be clear, um, I'm not, you know, when people ask me, people ask me a lot of times, like, well, what are you in regards to ethnicity or whatever it is? Um, my father was Mexican and my mother's Italian. I'm half Mexican. I'm half Italian. I was raised by the Italian side of my family. So that was the culture that I was brought up in. Italian people have a little bit of a different type of culture than, you know, white, white people, I guess you would say, you know, European of European descent, things like that. I think everyone has a little bit of their own, you know, culture if their grandparents or great grandparents, um, you know, immigrated here. They have a little bit of their culture. Italians are a little bit different, um, but I did grow up in that environment, and I will tell you that Italian people aren't, um, you know, the most accepting of other cultures, and it's not that they're prejudiced or racist against Black people specifically or anyone, right? They're just like, eh, we're Italian, you know what I mean? And they, 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 they look at people kind of with a side eye, you know, if you're not. So that's just the, that's the culture that they've come from. So that was kind of where it was raised. Um, so people might look at me and say, well, you're Hispanic, you're half, you know, you're half Mexican. Um, but in the world, when I'm out there in the world, 
and I look the way that I look, um, with the color of my skin and the texture of my hair, I benefit from white privilege, period. So, um, that's, that's all that matters to me, really. So you can get into the logistics of it and, you know, um, specify my, um, what, you know, whatever background I'm from, I look white. So I look particularly white because I'm not a huge fan of the sun, guys. I don't know what it is. I I don't like to be hot. I get sunburned for whatever reason. The only person in my family who burns. So my skin is extra bright. If you put me next to someone in my family, they, the Italians, actually look more Hispanic than I do. But anyway, I digress. So as someone who benefits from white privilege, but is also very, very, very close to black people, I have got to try to talk about this and reach some people here today. So I'll just start by saying some of the things that I've been seeing and the things that I felt like I need to talk about because it's happening right now. So the first thing that I thought was quite interesting that I was seeing in the media were the protests to open things back up. You know, people were getting sick of sitting in the house, being told what to do, being told they can't run their businesses, being told they have to wear masks everywhere. Um, People were feeling as though their rights were being infringed upon. Um, What was surprising to me is that it was um, mostly white people and mostly white people who lean more towards the conservative um, stance in the country. Um, that was interesting to me because, um, it was so contradictory of everything else that they preach or, um, say that they support. So I was a little confused. And, um, the thing that bothered me the most about it, I think, um, well, lots of things bother me about it, but the thing that bothered me the most about it is just the blatant white privilege that you see there. Um, you know, when we see white men armed with shotguns and all types of weapons, um, standing and screaming in the faces of law enforcement, um, you know, we're seeing them, uh, crowded, you know, not practicing, uh, the, the, the rule, the the laws and rules that have been put into place by government right now, um, not not following the law, um, crowded and congregated, not wearing masks, not social distancing, um, you know they're they're just you know screaming and honking. We had a protest here in Buffalo where I live, um, where they they wanted to um, you know hold up traffic. So instead of instead of congregating outside, you know, they practiced social distancing, but everybody stayed in their cars and they lined up around the circle that we have in front of our city hall so that that traffic couldn't go by. You know, uh yeah, I guess fuck the um nurses and doctors and stuff that have to get to work to take care of people who actually have the virus and that this is very real for, I guess. So that didn't matter that day. But, um, you know, and I, I, I watched some of the coverage on that cause it was my own city and there were actually people with like Confederate flags out there. And it was just I'm like in New York though. I mean, there were just so many things about it that I, I, could not believe. And it was all just, just a blatant representation of white privilege in our country right there. Um, why? Because when minorities try to protest And when they're usually protesting, they're protesting for like basic human rights, um, to be treated equally as humans, um, to try to tell people that their way of life and their lives in general matter when people are, you know, protesting things like that, you know, um, you know, protesting actual like things that affect their entire lives, not just them being inconvenienced, but them being oppressed. Um, 
they are met with force. And if a group of minorities were to show up to a protest armed that way, they would, oh, for sure be dead and killed. I mean, you know, we have so many examples of this. You know, you have Native American, you know, Standing Rock Tribe protesting at Dakota Pipeline just just to preserve their water supply and maybe a couple little artifacts that they have preserved from their culture that colonizers ripped from them to build what we know as America today. So just little things like that. And that, that just happened a few years ago. So we're talking about ongoing absolute and complete racism and racism is just one group of a majority oppressing other groups because they feel superior so save it when you try to say that black people are being racist against white people or anything like that because that's not how it works and that's not the definition of it um black people can't be racist so let me just put that out there right now that's one thing that really, really irritates me when people say that. Black people have every right to d- miss, just not trust white people or to even be prejudiced against them. Okay? Period. I'll, I'll probably come back to that point. But that is happening and that is so, it's, it's, it's right there. No one can deny it. Um, you know, forget the ridiculousness of the whining about having to wear masks or be on lockdown or, or lose a little bit of your income right now. Because by the way, you're you're the same people who look at uh, us who live paycheck to paycheck and say things like, oh, well, maybe you should have six months saved in case you lose your job. You're, you're the same people who say shit like that. And yet you're after after one month, we're crying about you know, not, not having any money. So that's funny. Um, that was the, that was the, that was, I think the first thing that I was seeing in the media that was really getting me enraged, um, was just that, that display of, um, just complete privilege versus how other people are treated when they're, when they're trying to protest the actual real, uh, issues that they deal with. So there was that. Um, so the second thing that I was seeing that, that kind of got me enraged was um, black people dying at higher rates in, um, you know, in, in, with COVID. So when you talk about, um, you know, the deaths in the black community um, being higher, the rates, the rates of death being higher, um, in the media, they were saying things like, I mean, Dr. Fauci even spoke about it and he was, you know, trying to, to be nice, I guess, in saying that, you know, oh, well, yes, there's a, a disparity between the numbers with, you know, and that's unfortunate, but, and really he kind of only brought up that, um, it was due to underlying conditions that, black people have, such as like high blood pressure, diabetes, asthma, those kinds of things. What they were not talking about was why black people have, are more likely to have those underlying conditions in the first place. Um, You know, they're not mentioning the, the, the access to uh, healthy food, um, the access to the same type of health care that white people might have. Um, they're not talking about systemic racism, institutional racism. They're not talking about all of those things that actually lead to poverty, um, gentrification, all those things that lead to black people not being able to keep their health up the same way. Again, that's another privilege. Okay. So, um, why don't you talk about that when you're talking about the higher rates of deaths? Why don't you talk about the fact that when a black man comes into the hospital versus a white man, who, whose life looks and seems more valuable at that point? And that's not, and, that, and some people might say, oh, come on, that, you know, doctors have to help everybody. Okay. 
I mean, because I know, you know, it's YouTube or whatever, but I saw a video of a nurse who went to New York City to try to help and she was trying to advocate for black patients and she was getting nowhere because she blatantly said, well, because their lives don't matter. And that's just someone on the front lines talking about it. So, I mean, I'm just saying people can sit there and act like things aren't happening and that things aren't true and they are. And that's just what I, I, you know, that's what I want to talk about today is to just let you know that they are, you know, as an ally and as a social worker, I have got to talk about this. You know, I don't know, maybe I'll change my whole, uh, thing here. I don't really know. We're, like I said, I'm winging it today. Um, this is off the top of my head. It really is. It's just something that I've had to get off my chest. So moving along to the things that I've seen recently in the news online. Then I started to see videos of, for example, NYPD harassing black people on the streets of the Lower East Side Manhattan. That's actually where my son lives. Thank God he's home with me right now. Um, Lower East Side Manhattan, Brooklyn, those types of areas in New York. Um, brutalizing people either for not practicing social distancing or standing and looking suspicious. I don't really know because they feel like it. Um, someone very close to me was a New York City police officer, and he will argue with me that that's not the case, um, that the things that, that we see are, that, that that's not common. You know, I, I call bullshit. I'm sorry, but it is. Um there they are harassing black. I've seen, you know, and I try not to watch the videos. I don't want to. It hurts my soul. But holding an innocent person who was actually just a, a bystander who was who was trying to record the situation because he was harassing somebody else, the policeman just holding his neck down to the ground, punching him. The brutality is so unnecessary. So then a couple days later. I see a few pictures of an entire group of white people in the West Village at the park, just sitting around, not social distancing, not wearing masks, not following any guidelines. And this is the epicenter of the disease in our country, New York City, just sitting around enjoying a nice day outside. And then you see pictures of police officers walking up to them and handing them masks. Oh, here, stay safe with a smile. Those are real images. And those are things that are really happening. And you are going to sit there and tell me that this shit doesn't happen or that that um, that guy deserved it. He was probably doing something, right? Oh, oh was he maybe not following the law? Um, I'm sorry, is that what you're doing when you're congregating to protest during a fucking pandemic? Oh, okay, so people are supposed to follow the law when, when you say, but it doesn't pertain to you because it affects you now? Okay, just wanted to be clear. Um, then, of course, the story of Ahmad Arbery comes out. Is that a news story for us guys? No, it's not. An unarmed black man being killed because he might be suspicious or look like someone that doesn't belong in that neighborhood. Is that a new story? Unfortunately, it is not. And this time, he wasn't even, he, he, I mean, oh, Lord, Jesus, I, 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 that's the thing. It's just happened so many times that we, you know, we, we can't even be surprised anymore, but that's bullshit. Okay. I mean, this is Trayvon Martin all over again. And you know what? They they arrested the guys, but is it going to be George Zimmerman all over again? Are they going to get acquitted because they they thought there was some real threat there that this guy was? And maybe he was a what did what what did somebody say he was a, at some construction site he shouldn't have been he was trespassing? So the fuck what is that your problem that you have to go get these weapons? And of course he was fighting for his life, you fucking asshole. Who wouldn't? Um, whatever. I am sorry. My mother says I swear too much and it's unbecoming for a lady of my, uh, whatever, caliber. I don't know. 
whatever, I'm angry and I'm trying not to be, I'm not trying, I don't, I don't want to lose anyone here. So I'm not going to come off as angry as I am, but there's no other way for, for me to express any of these things. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, Ahmaud Arbery is, it's, it's an, it's an old tale of unarmed black men just being killed. Yet I'm seeing images of completely armed white men screaming in the faces of law enforcement. Absolutely nothing is happening to them. Then a video just came out the other day of Buffalo police brutalizing another young man because they thought he had something in his car. (sighs) Holding his neck down again, face to the concrete, beating him in the face. I mean, that brutality alone is unnecessary. If you arrest someone or you've got their hands behind their back already and you've got another officer maybe trying to help you handcuff them or whatever, do you really have to do, you, you then have to hold the face down and punch in the face? I mean, it's just unnecessary. And, and gosh, it's still going on, huh? <laughs> You guys act like it isn't, though. That's the part that gets me. I mean, you feel oppressed right now because someone's telling you to stay home or because, and I get it. I get when your business is jeopardized. I get that when you're somebody like a tattoo artist, for example. You know, you're, you have a stable or stable, sterile environment already. Maybe you only have one person at a time and you can still do your artwork and, you know, um, have your business. I understand being angry about that. Um, I get it, but, um, you know, those people who are just so ignorant saying like, it's my right. I don't have to wear a mask if I don't want to. I mean, you're kind of, you're just a shitty person. Um, and you're clearly not being affected by this, as other people are. I've already known four people who have died from the virus. I also don't want someone like my mother who's susceptible to be um, exposed. So it would be really cool if you like wore a mask when you went to the store, just in case you're at the same store as my mom. I don't know. Maybe you think about your own family. But, you know, people like this, I don't know, maybe they just don't have empathy. You can't have empathy and watch what's going on right now and still act like it's not a huge, huge problem in our country. So anyway, I mean, I'm just embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by the racism in our country. I'm embarrassed by the administration in our country. I'm embarrassed by the way we're handling this crisis. I'm embarrassed by the way we treat minorities. I'm embarrassed and I think it's a disgrace. And you know what? Save it. White guys, white men, fucking save it. Because I already know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, well, if you hate it so much, then you should just leave. Right. Because that's so easy. That's so fucking easy. You know what? To move, to get up and move and gain citizenship in another country is super fucking easy, right? That's like telling black people that they should have gone back to Africa after the emancipation. Yeah, what were they going to do? Go the way they came? The fuck out of here. I'm sick of hearing it. And you want to know where I got that from? I actually had a white guy tell me that once before. I had a white guy sit there and tell me he doesn't really have a problem with black people, but he just doesn't understand why if they're so unhappy, if they're so unhappy living here, why they stayed then? Why didn't they go back when they were freed? Are you fucking serious? Are you fucking kidding me? So that's the thing, guys. When you look like me, And you're around a bunch of white people. They get real comfortable talking to you about their innermost thoughts. 
And I thought that that was a problem before the internet and before social media and Facebook and everything like that. I, that was that was a problem that I had to deal with because it would just make me so angry. But at the same time, I was a little bit happy that I had that like kind of in where I can actually, you know, hear the thoughts that people had and I can actually see that like, oh yeah, this does exist. Like I had the proof. But then it actually took to social media where people got really, really comfortable posting about stuff like this. And then you get to see people's true colors. And the thing is, I'll get to the history of how I'm a lifelong ally in a minute. Um, But I have been around a lot of white people. So a lot of them are my friends on Facebook and Instagram and things. And you get to see what they're thinking. And they're just outright, blatantly racist, ignorant assholes. And they're fine with it. They're fine with letting everybody know. And that's a direct result of where we are right now with our administration and everything else. I mean, it was getting a little too progressive, right, guys? I mean, is anyone really surprised that Trump was elected into office or that things are the way that they are right now? I'm not going to sit here and talk about fucking Donald Trump. Fuck him. But it's a direct result of the fear that white men started to have about their power being taken away. I wasn't surprised that that Donald Trump was being elected into office at all. We were getting a little too progressive. We, we, we voted a black man into office. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Women and minorities and LGBT people. Oh, they're just getting a little too. They're causing too much of a ruckus. They're getting too many things. They're getting too, many, too much recognition um, for the way that they've been treated. People are getting a little too aware, a little too woke. We got we to gotta make America great again. We have to make America so, you know, great the way that we made it, where we we just, you know, we built it on uh, ripping things away from people and then building it on their backs so that we could be powerful. You fucking colonizers are still out here with that mentality. And it's sickening, okay? So, I'm embarrassed. And like I said, save it. No one's moving anywhere. I'm embarrassed just like I would be if I was part of any other type of institution that was behaving this disgracefully. So, shut up. That's not the case. That's not what I'm doing. I'm American. I was born here. And yes, I do appreciate a lot of the freedoms that I have, but I'm embarrassed and I'm allowed to be embarrassed. I've been afforded the privilege to stay in my little bubble of positivity and, you know, I I preach a lot about the law of attraction and manifesting exactly what I want. But again, that's also part of my privilege for me to, to go ahead and stay in a little bubble. Um, but I will never forget where I came from. Um, so why should anyone listen to me? Well, I'll tell you, since I was a young child, I have been in love with Black people. It was just the way that I was, my spirit, my soul was born. Um, I grew up on a little street called Edison Street on the east side of Buffalo. Now, the street that I lived on was um, occupied by predominantly white people. Um, If you go down the street a little bit, you'll find the Langfield Projects. The Langfield Projects was... Um, consisted of residents that were mostly black people. So they were right down the street, but not on my street when I grew up in like the 80s and 90s. Um, What started happening was black people started to buy houses on those streets. So, of course, the white people started moving out, going to the suburbs, things like that. 
Um, because here's another little tidbit that you might not know. Um, that's another privilege that white people have is that they can segregate themselves if they want to. They can move to places, they can go to school, they can work, they can do all these things with just white people if they want. Um, minorities can't do that. There really isn't anywhere a minority is going to go where they're not going to come in contact with a white person, whether it's at their job or at a school or at a store or when they have to go to court or when they have to go travel anywhere. You're, because the majority of people are white, there isn't a way for minorities to segregate themselves. Um... So that's, that's just, I don't know. I, I wanted to just throw that out there. So my mother was one of those people who wanted to get away. Um, I don't think she intentionally wanted to move somewhere that was all white. I think she just, you know, found an opportunity to have a new house built and moved out there. But that's what happened. I was taken away from one of the best schools in the country where I had so many black friends that were so intelligent and I was taken to an all-white high school it was at this all-white high school that I really started to recognize that the racism and everything still existed but at the same time I kind of didn't. I kind of was able to stay in a bubble because it was an all-white school. So it wasn't like I saw white kids acting a certain way towards black people. I could just hear certain things that they said here and there. Um, And, you know, their reaction to me. I mean, here I am. I'm this, um, I was kind of Hispanic looking at the time. Um, You know, with my big hoop earrings and my cross-colored jeans, I come into this all-white school and people are like, oh my gosh, she's from Buffalo. They were kind of scared of me, you know, like I was going to be this person who just like was going to fight everyone or, you know, oh my gosh, did you date black guys? You know, like it was that kind of thing. So, you know, you got a little bit of that. Um, I hated it. I hated my high school for the most part. I'm not saying I don't have, um, I met my best friend there and and her family is like part of my family. So whatever, that's perfect. I'm not saying like it was off or not, or that it was, you know, not a good experience for me. I'm glad that I have this, um, diverse history. It really has, it really has just educated me in and of itself, just being around certain kind of people has educated me, you know, on top of how I chose to educate myself. But, um, you know, I did find a music scene, the hardcore music scene, um, not people from my high school didn't really go, but I found people in the area, um, close to my area. And then, you know, elsewhere that were into this and they were good white people. They were just people who happened to be white because they really got it. They got all of the um, social issues that have been going on in the world. They were able to really kind of see through, you know, and and that's what hardcore was about, getting out your aggressions, your teenage angst and, you know, sticking it to the man. So while it was mostly white people there, they were um, down ass cool white people. So, you know, I did, um, I did get into that scene and it's music. That's always been my refuge, any kind of music. So I was able to, to find some solace in that, but I did quickly move back to the city. Um, once I graduated and reconnected with my friends that are just a joy to me. Um, you know, and then I, I, I married a black man and I had my son. So I am raising a black child. Um, just giving you a little bit of history of where I'm coming from. Um, you know, my thing is this, I, I don't know if I'm just extreme. I'm not just like, oh, I'm an ally because yeah, black people, I, you know, I love black people and I see the, I see, um, their challenges and struggles and I, you know, I'm an ally and I'll speak up for that. No, these are my family members. This is my family. Um, and I just want people to see how amazing they are. 
um, the way that I see them. You know, growing up, my grandmother owned a house on Millicent and she had a black family that lived right next door to her. And they were amazing. Just from when I was a little kid, I just loved them. My sister always um, gravitated towards black people. I loved her friends. I loved, she was older, than, a lot older than me. So she was in high school when I was young. You know, I loved having them come over and watching them dance. And I was introduced to hip hop at a young age. I loved it. Um, you know, I just have been so blessed to um, have black people take me into their lives and allow me to come into their families because you know, rightfully so, it can take a lot for them to trust a white person. They don't know where I'm coming from. They don't, they don't know. Rightfully so. I would never be impatient with a black person who had to give a little time before they can let me in. That, that's another thing, you know, just, just know your place, period. Um, but it's just, it's just so deep rooted for me. And then having a black child really just, brought it around full circle um you know I feel I fear for his life and that's I mean he doesn't even have his license <laughs> because um because I'm scared that he'll get pulled over and shot period so um but you know before you guys get on my back about let that boy drive no he lives in New York City and he takes a subway everywhere so he doesn't need to drive okay he's fine okay so forget it <sighs> but that's a very real thing um, but going back to how, I mean, I'll just give you, I'll give you a few examples of the love that I have. Uh, a few months ago, I went to a concert here, Drea Dinora. She is a singer, songwriter, artist, uh, from Buffalo. She actually went to the school that we went to, um, City Honors and she's amazing. And she had a concert recently. Um, it was like an album release. And um, it was just beautiful, beautifully executed. There were um, dancers and, and musicians and singers. And it was just, oh, it was so amazing. And I was sitting in between my best friend, Halima, and then her sister, who's also become one of my best friends. And I was in between the two of them. And I was bawling my eyes out pretty much the entire concert. Why? Because of Black excellence. Um, because I was in that room and I can just see all the talent there on the stage. I can feel their release of everything, all their historical trauma just being released through the art. Um, and I get it. Not everyone's as deep as me. Whatever. This is how I am. These are the things that I think of. But I was crying because I said to myself, I'm blessed to even have this perspective, to be someone who can see this and to appreciate it. And I just wish everybody else could. Like that, that was what, how I felt. I turned to my friend and I said, I'm crying because I just want everyone to know how amazing black people are. And I mean, my, I had a friend, you know, it, it, it was my friend playing keys. It was my friend playing drums. It was my friend who was one of the backup singers. So it was like, I, there were people that I knew and loved as people on stage, you know, doing their art, you know, blessing us with their craft. Um, that's one example. Another example is that since the, um, since the lockdown started, you know, we're all in this boat together of, you know, being quarantined um, and, and artists can't go out and do shows, you know. So they're bringing that to us in the comfort of our own homes, live concerts. Erica Badu had live concerts from her bedroom. I mean, just full body chills. Um, you know, they're doing these kind of battles between producers and artists of their songs. And these battles aren't battles. They're not talking shit to one another. They're not like, I'm better than you or I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with this. I'm, they're out of complete respect for one another, just appreciating each other's art and doing it live in front of us, you know, on our little screens. It's been amazing. And, um, just being particularly upset after, seeing all those things that I mentioned earlier, the, you know, um, um, just the brutality that I've been seeing. And then this past weekend, Erica Badu and Jill Scott, two of my favorite artists had a quote battle and it was just, 
it was so comforting and it was so what everyone needed. And, you know, that brings a tear to my eye too. It's just, I wish everyone could see what I see. I don't know one black atheist. I don't know of any black serial killers. Let me just put it that way. And I know serial killers. I watch true crime. I listen to true crime podcasts. Let me tell you, it's white guys out here brutally killing people, okay? Cutting people up and shooting up schools and stuff. So don't sit there and tell me all that bullshit about black on black crime. And when black people stop killing each other, that like, shut the fuck up. White people be killing, okay? Take that from this episode, if nothing else. White people be killing, okay? Like I said, I don't know a black atheist because they have God in their hearts, They have the the fear of God and the love of God in their hearts because what else? With all the trauma that they've been through, what else are they going to hold on to? No matter what religion they subscribe to, they have faith and hope always. And that's why my soul is drawn to their souls, period. They're just good people. They're better than us. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. So I understand and I realize that not every white person can have that experience that I've had or have that love that I have or see what I see because they they just, they haven't had that history and they haven't been able to immerse themselves in it or even befriend black people maybe. You know, and again, like I said, rightfully so, if you meet a black person and they're not real excited to be your friend, you can't blame them for it. All right. Um, But I'm just going to ask you to try. Um, And then if you can't just, if you can't befriend and get into it the way that I'm into it, (laughs) because I understand that's, that's very rare. Um, Just do something with your privilege. Just speak out when you see someone being treated unfairly. You know, learn about it. Learn about your white, and you know what, and and I don't give a fuck if you're sick of hearing the words white privilege or toxic masculinity, because those are two very real things that are contributing to everything that I'm talking about today. So white guys, I'm talking to you. White straight men, talking to you, actually. Why don't you use it for good? I've seen a few videos of white guys who are saying the same thing. You know, there was a white guy who ran down the street with uh, carrying a TV, looking real suspicious, and said, you know, I would never, nothing would ever happen to me because I'm white. He got it. You know, there's that one guy, I think his name's like James Hodge or something. He makes videos about, you know, telling white people to do better. I mean, I appreciate that. And I do see that that's happening. And I see a lot of people that I, that I, that I did go to high school with, or that I'm, you know, that I did know, um, from racist, more racist areas in Buffalo, um, be allies and advocates, you know, on their, on their social media and stuff like that. And I love to see it. I love to see it. Um, but there's, there's also, you know, your privilege doesn't just, isn't just that huge where, you know, oh, I don't get racially profiled when I, you know, I don't get pulled over by a cop because I'm whiter. It's small too. I mean, you just, you can walk into a store without people eyeing you up to see if you're going to steal something. You can walk into a store and buy hair care and skincare products galore. You know, these are little things that you might not think of. Black people can't walk into any store, any little convenience store and find something for themselves. You know, and then even if they're in one of those bigger stores, they have a little tiny section for things that care for themselves because they're the minority. You know, um, you might not notice this, but at your workplace, if there's if there's a black person at your workplace. And I've seen I've seen it in 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 social work (laughs) where people are supposed to be progressive where people are supposed to have studied multicultural issues and know them still not using their privilege for good. You know, why do I have to sit in an office and see that black woman work twice as hard to get half as much recognition as a, as a white woman? It's insane. So when you're in little places like that, or even online, even on your social media, you can advocate, you can be an ally in those ways. You can be a good person, you know? And if you can't go that hard, then I all I ask for you is to have empathy, to stop discounting the things that people are going through. You know, stop downplaying it. Because 
the pain and the historical trauma that's there is very real and it's very valid. And, you know, and that's the thing. There's certain types of white people that kind of get on my nerves in, in regards to um, how, how they behave towards it. And they say things like, well, I don't see color. I just see everyone, you know, we're just a human race and um, I'm colorblind, you know, those kinds of things. I'm hoping everyone's gotten kind of over that. I'm hoping someone's educated you on that statement because I used to hear a lot of people saying it I'm, I'm, and I'm hoping you know what I'm about to say, but that's not helpful. That is disregarding our differences and disregarding the knowledge that you have of your privilege and their, and their challenges and their struggles. That's what, that's what, that's what that does. So it's not helpful. It's actually harmful. So check yourself. That's all I'm asking. Check yourself and do something. I have to do more. This is me actually calling myself out. Honestly, um, this is the first time I'm doing anything like this. You know, I have, there's, there are racist white people in my family. You know, my sister adopted two black men, their children, but she's going to raise two black men. I have a black man that I'm raising. You know, we have gotten a lot of people in our immediate family to be allies. Um, but there's still people in my extended family who are Trump supporters. It's embarrassing. And, you know, when I talk about that, uh, you know, not to get political or anything, because I don't, I don't really support, there's no really real Democrat that I support or anything. So I'm not even getting political. I'm saying what, what Trump represents him himself. He's just dumb to me. He's just a stupid person. He's just dumb. I don't think he can read. And I, and I think that he doesn't for the most part know what he's talking about. That's all. I just think he's dumb. Um, I think he's dumb, but at the same time smart, because what he did, he was, he played everyone. I mean, he's, he was seen back in the 90s saying, if I ever ran for president, I'd run as a Republican because they're the dumbest people. I mean, he, he actually said that. So, I mean, he, he played it as a businessman would. He got what he wanted, playing off of other people's emotions and what other people's emotions were at the time were, it's getting a little too progressive in here and we needed to be whiter and we need to make America what America was built on in the first place again, which is pretty much racism institutionalized so that's where he came from so I don't even I, when I say I have family as Trump supporters I say that they're they're supporting that movement um you know while we're on the subject Barack Obama and his wife were class acts classy freaking people period so whether you you know it's not about policies it's not about it's that if Obama did one thing that Trump's been accused of or has done, or if Michelle Obama had done what his wife has done in her, you know, uh, past endeavors, they would never have had stood a chance. They would have been dragged through the frickin' dirt. And that's what privilege is. And that's what happens in our country. That's what our country is about. So when I say, oh, I have family members who are Trump support, I just say that in, in a way of like, you know, um, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. But, you know, what, what we've done, you know, my sister and I and people in my immediate family have done is just distance ourselves then, you know? Um, it's just, that's just what you do. You distance yourself from that and you continue to fight. I will say this. I feel another revolution coming on. So if you're scared of a virus, if you're scared of our, uh, of the collapse of our economy, <laughs> buckle your fucking seatbelts, guys, because something's coming. It's not a threat. I'm just kind of warning you that I feel it coming on. And then I'm going to be standing right there by people's side fighting. Because enough is a fuck enough. And like I said, I'm embarrassed. So, you know, I mean, is this a call to action? I mean, I guess you could, you know, read books and learn. I mean, I immersed myself in it just because I, I loved it. I wanted to, I wanted to know more. I wanted to be a better, a better friend and ally. So, you know, I mean, I've, 
I've read the autobiography of Malcolm X several times. The book that I have is Tattered and Worn from it. Um, James Baldwin is great. He's one of my favorite authors. I have a full compilation of his essays called The Price of the Ticket. I, I suggest delving into that. I mean, if you really want to know what to do, um, you know, but I just want, I, I, I'm not even like, uh, pleading that type of action. It's more so like, can you just have regular empathy and acknowledge what's going on and not dismiss it? Okay. Step one, be a decent human. That's all I'm saying. You know, I mean, we're, we're now inside of a huge crisis together. What is this division? Why does it always have to be one side against the other? And I'm sorry, but I'm biased here, but like there's just one side that just sounds really stupid. I'm sorry to say it's because you're clear. It's, it's, it's just, it's like inhumane sometimes. It's like, we're just all for ourselves. No, other humans cannot survive without other humans. You can't just be for yourself. People have, people should have basic human rights to live and be comfortable. So I'm sorry, white people, particularly straight white men, if this is irritating you in some way, get it the fuck together. Be a decent human. You take care, do you take care of your family? Do you take care of your wife and kids and mom and Okay, so then you should know that that's all everybody else wants to do. Don't be an asshole. Okay, and cut it out with the fucking conspiracy theories right now. We are in the middle of a legit pandemic. History has taught us that this has happened before. The scientists are working on a vaccine and they're trying to figure out where this came from and what it is, period. Cut it out. It's a direct result of man thinking that they're so superior that they can do whatever they want on this earth with animals in the in the in the land and everything like that and it's retaliating period so shut the fuck up you know and i'm not and i'm one for conspiracy theories trust me i work in healthcare <laughs> okay i fully believe that the pharmaceutical companies are in cahoots with the food industries okay some of my beliefs can be extreme but this one come on guys just stay safe and do things out of common decency for other people's health. That's all. That's not even what I wanted to talk about today, but come on. I um, would love to talk to you one-on-one if you want. You can reach out to me, DM me, text me, call me. Um, email me at fivesummersoftinder at gmail.com. I will be back on with Justin talking about dating or whatever else you want to hear. But if you want to hear more about any of this stuff or current events, I mean, hey, I'm down with that, too. I'm here for it. I'm I'm here now. Um, you know, maybe I'll create my own movement. Shit, I'm doing an art show, hopefully, if I can, if people can congregate by November. And you know what it's going to be? It's probably going to be called Black Excellence. And I'm going to paint portraits of all the black people that I love, and I'm going to shove it in everyone's faces. How about that? I think that's what I'm going to do. So anyway, these have been the ramblings of someone who's been isolated for two months. Um, I miss my friends. <laughs> miss everybody. But this was necessary, guys. And uh, I hope that you got something out of it. And I hope that we can come together and do something better and just be better. So I'm out. Hit me up. Let's have a talk.